Amen, amen. Hey, give these families one last hand as they kind of head on back to their seats. Isn't it encouraging to see these, these dads just like speaking identity and life over their sons and daughters? Isn't that such a cool just like window into the heart of God? I know that um, that's not all of our upbringing and experience. That was not my upbringing and experience. I didn't have a mom and dad that gave me a name with, you know, scripture and all the stuff that had biblical purpose behind it. Um, but if that doesn't mean you, you can't get glimpses for what God desires for you, the Heavenly Father desires for every single one of us in these moments. It's a glimpse, not just at somebody else's family, but it's a glimpse at what the, a true and good father is really like. Amen? So take those glimpses as they come because they're really powerful and they, they really matter. Um, hey, a couple of quick uh, things on the front and really just one. Um, in a couple of weeks on the 17th, we got Baptism Sunday coming up. All right? Raise your hand if you have been to an Antioch baptism before. Give me a, give me a hand up. Okay. Praise God. So that means about half you in the room have never seen Baptism Sunday here at Antioch, it is rowdy, you guys. We pull a horse trough up here. We hear testimonies. We dunk people. People go nuts because we figure if all the angels in heaven throw a party, the, the, the scripture actually says that they rejoice over one person that turns their life back to God, then we figure that we're going to baptize people that are turning their lives back to God. We're going to go nuts down on earth too, right? So it is a blast. Be here. That's uh, the 17th is Baptism Sunday. If you would like to get baptized, um, you can register through our website. It's very simple, antiochcs.org slash baptism. Fill out a quick form, jump in the water, and it's a blast, all right? Hey, um, for those of you that I don't know yet, my name's Chris Pletcher. I'm on staff here um, at Antioch. I'm actually the family's pastor, so it's really fun to just get to watch these guys. Many of these guys, Arlena, my wife and I, we've journeyed with them through different seasons of their family, and it's just really amazing to see what God is doing in, in these families' lives. And I have the privilege of kicking off a new series this morning called Life with Jesus, okay? So here for the month of November, we are going to just very simply dive into a fresh look at just very, very simply, what does it look like to share life with Jesus, to share life with God, to live life in connection and in communion with Jesus. Our hope and desire is that we would have just a fresh invitation to know God, to know him. Do you guys know that that's actually like the great answer to the biggest questions of our lives, like questions like, what is my purpose? What, am, what on earth am I here for? Why am I even alive? Do you know that it's like very, I'll save you like a lifetime of struggling and striving for the great answers of life. Why were you created? It's to know God. It's actually very simple. It's to know God and to be in relationship with him. And I just want to tell you a brief, give you a brief glimpse of my testimony. I've shared it many times before, but I did not grow up uh, in a family like these guys up here. I did not grow up with parents that invested the kingdom of God into my life. I did not grow up with parents that dedicated me to the Lord or talked to me about Jesus or taught me about worship or prayer or, or any of that stuff. I just, I just didn't. My parents did the best they could do with where they were at in life, but they did not model for me life with Jesus. 
So I came to college. Instead of living life with Jesus, I kind of just lived life with, for myself, honestly. And I came to college my freshman year, and I joined a fraternity because I was just going after myself. It was life with me. It was life with my desires and my easy, simple, simple pleasures. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I hit rock bottom pretty quickly. It only took me three weeks into my freshman year of partying really hard to smack my face on the rock bottom of life and be like, what am I doing, you know? I'm actually thankful that it happened so quickly. And I kind of looked up, and God was right there, just like meeting me in that mess, meeting me in my brokenness, and being just so kindly saying, there's more to life. Like, come and follow me and let me show you, yes, there is more to life. And so I had this major turnaround. I dropped out of my fraternity actually three days later after this encounter with God in my dorm room, and I began to turn my life and reorder my life around following Jesus and getting to know God. I was a freshman in college, and I was starting from scratch, okay, with not a whole lot of a good foundation under my feet. And as I began to, like, meet other people that were following Jesus and spend time around church or people that just were healthy godly people, I began to observe a couple of trends. One of them in particular is that every, uh, every person that was different than the world that I came from, meaning they actually had life inside of them. They actually had joy coming out of them. They actually had peace in their eyes. They actually weren't enslaved to all this garbage that I was enslaved to for so long. All of those people seem to have one really incredible thing in common, it was some sort of devotional life or some sort of practice of like spending time alone with God. Now, I had not grown up around this at all. So I was like, what you're doing? You're having a, a quiet time? You know, like, what is that? You're just like, you're like sitting in a room. Just be, it sounds like time out, you know, like, <laughs> like having quiet time. You're just going to sit and be quiet? That sounds terrible, you know, like, or, or, you know, maybe, maybe you'd call it a Devo. I had a buddy that called it, yeah, it's my Devo time, a Devo. I'm like, what is a Devo, man? I just, I, I don't get it. Here at Antioch, we just call it time with Jesus, right? And if you've been around Antioch for any length of time, you've heard us quite regularly. Uh, we kind of put it on a broken record here on purpose, spending time with Jesus, spending time with Jesus. But this practice of like getting alone and seeking to connect with God. And so I started to try to implement this into my life. As a brand new follower, a brand new believer, I just started to kind of implement this, and I, I stumbled quickly upon the amazing truth found in Psalm 16:11. I want us to look at this together. This has become a kind of a life verse for me, okay? David writes, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Okay, so here's why this, is so, this was so mind-blowing to me. Because for the first half of my life, the first 19 years of my life, I believed that if I wanted fullness of joy, that it actually wasn't in God. It was away from God in sin. Like, if you want to have fun, go do your own thing. If you don't want to go to hell, then follow God and be a good person, right? That was my paradigm was like, Following God will get you to heaven, but it's not very fun. It's really hard and boring, and there's no joy. 
Sin is really fun, but it'll kill you and wreck your life forever. And then I read this verse. And I realized how dead wrong I had been my whole life. Because God makes known to us in his presence the path of life. And in his presence, there is, say, say it with me, fullness of joy. How many of you want that? Let's be honest. Blaise Pascal said that every single activity, every single choice, every single action of every single human being in the history of time revolved around the pursuit of one thing, and that was happiness. That everything you do is actually a pursuit for fullness of joy. Everything that, you, that drives you in your life is you are chasing after fullness of joy. Can I just settle it for you once and for all today? It's not in your 10-year plan. It's not in being really rich. It's not in your hot new girlfriend. It's not in anything else that you think it's gonna be in. This is the great deception of life on the earth. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, and in its end, it leads to death. The world says, you want fullness of joy? Go after riches, go after power, go after success, go after the hottest new thing or this and that. And it's not there. And I began to experience that the fullness of joy that my heart wanted was in his presence. And then I read John 17, verse three, and this messed me up even worse. Jesus, straight from the mouth of God himself, Jesus, he defines eternal life. Don't you love it when the Bible just makes it simple for us? You know, we're like, God, I just what is eternal life? I just don't understand it. It's just too much beyond me. What does it mean? And Jesus is like, oh, I actually just spelled it out very literally. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. He's praying to God in this interaction. He's saying, this is eternal life. It is knowing God and knowing Jesus, whom he has sent. So it dawned on me. Eternal life was not something that I was waiting to happen for one day. Eternal life was not something that I was waiting to get to. My eternal life had already begun. Do you know that? If you have been adopted into the family of God, through the blood of Jesus, if you have been saved, you have welcomed the, with a gospel, with a yes in your heart, that you have been, the Bible says, transferred out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus. That's what happens when we say yes to the gospel. When we say yes to Jesus, there's this massive like transaction that happens, this massive relocation of your existence from the domain of darkness, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, you are literally uprooted from this domain, this authority, this realm of darkness, which is the way of this world, and you are transported and transplanted into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. And your eternal life begins right now with knowing him. So very simply, this whole rescue plan that I'm describing, okay, it can very simply be broken down into these kind of three phases. If you're taking notes, sometimes I just need to know where I'm at in the story, you know? I just need to know like the big picture of life and like what is actually going on and where I am in it. So, so if, you're, if you're taking notes and you want to, write down the word 
salvation, okay? So you're, you're saved. Like, we need to be rescued from where we were. God is saving us out of the darkness, okay? And that is the beginning chapter of this amazing thing that God is after in our lives, is he saves us. But that's not all. That, he's not just saving us to get us out of hell. He's not just saving us so that one day life will be better in paradise. He's saving you, phase one, to bring you into phase two, which is restoration through communion. He is saving us to restore us into who we were created to be. He's not just saving us to rescue us from the fires of hell one day. He's saving us so that we might enter into his family and begin to know him, have communion with him, and be restored through communion. That's phase two. And as we're restored, we get to step into participation. Particip what are you talking about? We actually, having been restored by God to who we were meant to be, we now begin to participate with God in seeing other people saved and restored and healed. You see what I'm saying? It's not just so that you wouldn't go to hell one day. It's so that you would be restored into your created purpose, which is to participate with God as his son or as his daughter in this incredible redemptive merry-go-round, which is history, which is like, let's get more and more people saved, healed, and restored and looking like Jesus. Guys, that is an exciting life, right? That's an adventure. I mean, what else do you want to spend your life doing? Your 10-year plan stinks compared to that, right? Your great destiny for your life is kind of lame compared to joining God and restoring and seeing the world around us redeemed, saved, rescued from the darkness. Guys, that's why we're created. And it, and it happens right here in this phase two. Guys, we got to see this. It happens through communion with God. This is eternal life, that they would know me. And just like my relationship with my wife, or just like your relationship with your roommates, or with your best friend, or with a sibling, or with your mom or dad, knowing somebody takes time. Friendship with somebody takes focused time. And trust me, we've got four kids and five on the way up here, okay? We're having our fourth boy, our fifth kid, in January, okay? So us having communion is a tough, is a, is a, is a commodity that is in shortage, okay, with all the kids running around our house. It is hard for us to get together for four seconds. We, like, try to have a conversation about what are we going to have for dinner tonight. It takes us an hour and a half because we're interrupted 97 million times along the way. Mom, 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 dad, 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 mom, dad. Oh, my gosh. Can you please wait with joy for one second so I can talk to your mom for 13 seconds? You know, it's like communion. I want you to see that as a picture, okay, of what is it like, the center of our family is that her and I would have communion. The center of your life is that you and God would have communion. In our little world, my kids are all around. No, they're not interrupting us, right? But it's really hard to have communion with her when there's all this other stuff going around. That's why we go on date nights, okay? It's really hard for you to have communion with God when there's all this other stuff going around constantly. That's why you gotta get alone with God. Yeah. That's why 
a life of communion with God is probably not something for most of us that's just gonna happen by accident. It's gonna be something you have to fight for. You have to make space for. You have to be disciplined to create that space. See what I'm saying? Walking with God, knowing, knowing God, life with Jesus revolves around communion. And communion with God revolves around prayer and worship. Something's beeping up here. Can we blow it up or set it on fire or something? Let's see what it is. Pause. Something over here. Barry. Oh, no, it's not Barry. It's this guy. Tim busted. Oh, I'm so convicted. Guess what his alarm clock is going off for? It's a reminder to pray for his wife. You are a man of God. I love this guy. Come up here, Tim. Come here. Did not plan that, I hey, promise. Thanks, man. Just finish the sermon for me. No, seriously. Tim. Wow. Man of God, that is awesome. That's so good. Life with Jesus. Life with Jesus. Revolves around communion with God. Say that with me. That life with Jesus revolves around communion with God. Life with Jesus revolves around communion with God. Okay, so we've got to do some work here. Because um, if anything that has the power to change your life, Satan is going to hate. And he is going to try to twist it and distort it and muddy those waters for you. Okay? The Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, check this out. 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What does that mean? Okay, it means that we become what we behold. When we behold the glory of God, we are transformed into that image. Are you seeing that? We become what we behold, okay? From glory to glory to glory. So the reason why we hammer so, it's just incessantly about having devotional life or spending time with Jesus is because communion with God is the single redeeming activity of your life that will transform you to actually be the person that you were created to be in God. Every day that you see him as he is, every moment that you encounter him in his truth, in his word, every second you spend worshiping him instead of looking at yourself, every moment that you spend partnering, participating with him to see light come into the world of darkness, you are transformed to look more like who you were created to be, which is somebody a son or a daughter in the image of God, reflecting his goodness, his kindness. Who we are 
without a lot of this glory to glory is pretty stinky, man. It's like we're not that great until we just get into the spin cycle with Jesus for a couple of decades, right? Seriously. And then we, he transforms us and transforms us. That's why you meet some of these old men, these godly old saints that have been walking with Jesus for 45 years, you know, 60 years, and you're just sitting, there's just, there's this gentleness on them. There's this peace in their eyes. There's this total security. They're not trying to prove anything to you or impress you. Why? Because they've just communed with God for like 60 years, and they're starting to look a little bit more like Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Communion with God is where we see him as he is. We behold his nature, and when we behold his nature, it changes our nature. We become what we behold. And so because this thing is so powerful and so life-changing, the enemy is after it. Satan wants to twist this thing, wants to discourage you, wants to distort this thing, wants to, oh, here they are again, talking about time with Jesus. Okay, you know, here we are, you know, the, the Antioch way, the legalistic, the enemy comes in, and I've noticed the enemy coming into our community and taking this incredible value of the kingdom, which is spend time with him, get in his presence, and twisting it and discouraging a lot of people in the wake. So we're going to we're going to expose a couple of his schemes, all right? And we're going to claim back this thing for what it truly is, which is literally the redeeming agent of our lives. We learn how to commune with God. You want to go after a few lies? All right. Lie number one. If you want to laugh or whatever, say amen, you can. Okay, you're not alone, but here we go. Lie number one. If I'm not spending one hour alone with Jesus every morning, I am a terrible Christian and I am failing the Antioch way. Okay, yeah, right, gross. But how many of you have thought that before? Let's be honest, yep, give me some hands. You're like, oh wow, I'm failing, you know? No, no, no. Guys, the, the true family value here is that communion with God is absolutely essential to us becoming who God's made us to be. The true family value is that we are invited to seek God and to abide in him. And I don't know about you, but I don't just like most days roll out of the bed at 6 a.m. like just naturally shining like Jesus, okay? Like maybe you do, praise God. If you don't need time alone with him to start to shine a little bit like him, then you're in a class of your own because honestly, not even Jesus lived that way. We see in the scripture that he regularly withdrew to quiet places of solitude to commune with his father. Communion with the father. But the enemy is such a jerk and a punk that he wants to come in and twist this thing up in our minds and, and shroud it in all this like religion and legalism. And then it just becomes a curse. Because then you're just living under this, well, I should be spending an hour. To Look, I don't care if you get alone with God in the morning. I don't care if you get alone with him on your lunch break or at night or whatever. But we need to be withdrawing like Jesus and seeking communion with God. It's clear as day. I mean, I could, we could preach for another hour just on like, this will change your life. And if there's not 
a current habit or some discipline in your life, man, I promise you, you will look back on your life a year from now. If you decide today, I'm going to believe this preacher guy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change something. 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, I don't care when it is, but I'm going to get alone with God every day for the next 365 days. Come back to the foot of this stage on November 3rd, 2020, and I promise you, you will look more like Jesus. I promise you, you will be shining with more peace and joy and gentleness and love and graciousness and mercy and all the attributes of Jesus that we're supposed to have flowing out of our lives that most of us, are, if we're honest, we're doing okay. Will you take me up on that challenge? Communion with God is the single most redeeming activity of the human life. When we are with him, we become more like him. So let's get the religious stuff, this like the curse of the legalism. Guys, it's not about checking the box. It's not about clocking your hour. I hope, this is maybe for our ADS students, okay? Our ADS students are actually required to spend an hour alone in communion with God every day because the purpose of the discipleship school is to help you look more like Jesus. And so we know the number one thing that's gonna help you look more like Jesus is being alone with God. And so we actually, for a season, hold our discipleship school students accountable to being alone with God. Literally, they show up every week at class and they have to check a box that says that they did it, okay? But guys, we have to break past the lie of legalism and the religion to realize, guys, there's an invitation to know God, to know God. Many of us are really disciplined about showing up to work or class or showing up to the gym, and man, this time with God thing just keeps escaping us. What does that say about our hearts? Do we really desire like King David in Psalm 27 when he said, one thing I have asked of you, God, one thing I've asked, to behold your beauty, to know you, to meditate on who you are, to see you as you are. That was the cry of King David's heart. And what did the Bible call him? What was his, his kind of title through biblical history? The man after God's heart. Listen to that. The man after God's heart. The woman after God's heart. When I say that phrase, does something in you like stir up a little bit? Something in you rise up and go, oh, yes. Like, I want that. I want to be a person after God's heart. Well, here's the good news. Is that the legacy of King David, your forefather in the kingdom, has been preserved for you to access any time, day or night, in the word of God. It's called the Psalms. If you're walking with God right now, and I've been there so many times, you're like, man, what, what should I be reading? I just don't have any direction in the Bible. I don't, I mean, I know, okay, I'm with you. Communion with God is gonna change my life, but how do I do that? Where do I start? What do I read? Guys, here's the message of today, okay? God has preserved 
the legacy of our forefathers to teach us. Like I said earlier, I didn't have a mom and dad that taught me how to pray, that taught me how to worship, that taught me what to pray. What do I even ask for? What does talking with God even sound like? Worship, praise, blessing. What does that even mean? It was foreign to me. You know how I learned how to pray? In the Psalms with David. You know how I learned how to worship? In the Psalms with David. Guys, this is so powerful. God has been blowing me away with this. I love my dad, and he did the best he could do, but he did not pray for me a day in my life. He did not teach me how to pray, how to worship. He did not teach me how to have communion with God. And so it's really easy for me to sit on the edge of the dock as a lonely orphan child going, woe is me, I didn't have a godly father. Who's gonna teach me how to have communion with God? And here I am in this church and they say, this is a place where you can become family, but nobody's holding my hand and teaching me, right? Am I the only one that thinks these things? We get in this woe is me mentality of who's gonna teach me? Who's gonna show me? Guys, God has preserved the legacy of our forefathers to teach us and show us the man after God's heart can be the man that holds your hand and walks you and teaches you how to pray and how to worship. So I'm saying today, I believe today is a breakthrough day for every single person in this building. And your personal communion with God, your personal ability to connect with him, your personal ability to get alone with him, to have vision for why that's so important in your life, and your personal ability to press into that place of worship and prayer with the leadership of your forefathers and begin to commune with God like you've never even dreamed you could. And not just for us individually, but I believe there's an invitation for us corporately, like that this church family, that there would be something from heaven that gets in our hearts today and says, we are a people that desire the one thing, like King David. We desire the one thing. I want to invite you guys to stand and have the band go ahead and come up here. We're going to chip off one more lie before we respond here today. Y'all cool with that? Hey, if you want, real quick side note as these guys are coming up, if you want something that will change your life, okay? I wanna recommend this book here. It's funny, I'm like coming against the, the religiousness of I need one hour a day, okay? But at the same time, what I'm wanting to preserve is that if you will commune alone with God for an hour a day, it will change the rest of your life. And not just your life, it'll change your roommate's life, your spouse's life, your kids that are coming after you's life. Like, if you will just make a habit of communion with God, it'll change the world around you. And so this book is called the hour that changes the world, okay? It's by a guy named Dick Eastman, okay? The hour that changes the world. Look it up on Amazon. It is literally a practical plan for communion with God, and it is powerful. I've only read like seven pages because I was like, it's all I can handle. It's like, it's dripping with like truth, things that have been like, oh, I, I've been wanting somebody to define these things for me, like praise. Listen to this. He defines praise like this. Praise is the vocal adoration of God. The vocal adoration. 
you can sit quietly and worship just, you know, in a heart posture, you know, but you can't praise without opening your mouth. It's vocal adoration of God. Check this out. He says, praise is the antidote towards the enemy's oppression. As soon as we begin to worship, developing a praise life is to develop a certain immunity to the enemy's attacks. Why? Because the Bible says that God inhabits and is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So as we learn to vocally adore God, we build a throne for him to come and sit on right in our midst. And if Jesus is sitting right here in the center of this stage because we built a throne for him with our praise and worship, do you think any demon is gonna stay in this room? Any lie from the enemy is gonna be able to handle it when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sits down on our worship? Guys, we gotta learn how to praise. We gotta learn how to praise. He says prayer. Prayer is the simplest act a creature of God can perform. It is divine communion with our heavenly Father. It requires no advanced education, only an act of the will to decide to talk to Father God. The, the lie that I wanna break off here is that worship and reading the Bible and prayer are like these different activities. I, should, I need to worship for 20 minutes, I need to set my alarm, pray for 20 minutes, and then read the Bible for 20 minutes, and if I have time, I wanna journal and listen. You know, it's like, ah, we get back into that religious thing. You know, no, 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 no. King David, as you go on the journey with him through the Psalms, you will see worship, prayer, the word. It's all this one beautiful experience called communion with God. And you might be more naturally inclined to love the word or to love to worship or to love to intercede and pray for God's kingdom to move forward, okay? But it's like this. All of my kids are wired a little bit differently. They're all wired a little bit differently. My son, Caleb, he loves to build Legos with me. My son, uh, uh, Hudson, loves to wrestle and snuggle with daddy. Levi loves to play chase, okay? My daughter, Holland, she actually loves to wrestle more than all the boys. She's crazy. <laughs> Here's the thing, all of my kids are wired to connect with me in unique ways, okay? But here's the deal. They all need time and connection with the Father. They all do. They all do. We all do. So if spending time with Daddy feels like a chore, feels like some religious, legalistic obligation, then we have yet to grasp the spirit of sonship, amen? And I would say we need that revelation. We need to understand. Guys, we need a breakthrough. I'm gonna invite a couple of our prayer leaders up here this morning. So as we respond, here's the response. So life group leaders, our prayer team guys, these are our life group leaders across all zones. That means they've gone through an application process, they've been vetted to step into a place to help us shepherd the community. Everything that happens up here is confidential and you're welcome to come and pray with these guys. We'll have a few more of y'all come up here. But here's the response. One thing. Say it with me. One thing. One thing. One thing. That was David's cry, right? One thing. 
I've asked to know you, God. One thing I've asked to behold you in your glory, because I know I'm going to behold what I'm going to become, whatever I behold. So let me behold your glory. Let me know you more. And if you're here today and you've been beholding something else and you see yourself becoming, oh, run away from that thing, guys. Whatever it is, whatever your obsession is, whatever your bondage is, you will become what you behold. It's time to break from that. If you want prayer today, guys, this is the invitation. If you're saying, I want to break through in my communion with God, I feel stuck. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to worship. I want to know God, but I feel stuck. I want you to come up. You can start coming now. You can pray with one of these guys, or you can even just come and get on your knees up here. But guys, there's an invitation to a life of communion with God. Don't stay stuck at a distance from a father who is dying to be with you, okay? So we're gonna start coming forward, and we're just gonna invite the Spirit of God to shift some things in our hearts, okay? To give us this one thing by the Spirit of God, we're gonna sing and we're gonna ask for Him to do a work in our heart. So Jesus, I pray over every heart and mind in this place, mine included, that you would break off the, the, the tyranny of legalism and religion and you'd free us as sons and daughters invited to commune with a loving Father. God, would you take us individually and corporately into a new season where we behold you as you are, God, where our hearts rise up with a passion for the one thing, Jesus, to know you more, to be transformed into your likeness. Come, do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Come, move in our hearts in Jesus' name.